we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. We're in Ephesians chapter 2. We'll read in verse number 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The Bible tells us that he has quickened us in verse number 1. Through the power of his resurrection, he has given us life. The word quickened just simply means there to be given life, to be brought to life. He said, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. This morning, as we think of the resurrection of our Savior, I want us to note some practical applications of that resurrection. What does it mean to us? Christians all over the world today celebrate the resurrection of our Savior. But what significance does it hold? Well, that's really the question, isn't it? And it holds great significance to our lives. It is, it is the, uh, the, the pivotal moment. Uh, the death of Christ and his glorious resurrection secures for us a home in heaven, and hope eternally. Now, I want to give you some practical applications. I, we see the first in this passage. First of all, I want you to note that through the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus that day from the grave, through the resurrection, we receive the provision of Christ to save sinners. You see, all of us have one common problem. We are sinners. The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The reason all of us are sinners is because we were born that way. We were born that way because when Adam and Eve sinned against God in the garden, uh, they received the curse of sin and death. The Bible teaches us that the wages of sin is death. And that day when Adam and Eve sinned against God, immediately they died in their soul. 
Ultimately, they would die in their body. But when the Spirit of God departed from them, they became dead people. Though they had physical life, they had no spiritual life. And every child that's been born of Adam's race has been born dead spiritually. And so Jesus Christ came to give us eternal life. The Bible says here in verse number one, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's the curse of sin. And then he says in verse two, where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You see, we were once dead. That is the former state of the believer. And that is the current state or the present state of the unbeliever, dead in our sins. And in our sins, under the curse of sin, we walked according to the course of this world. According, as he said again in verse 2, to the prince of the power of the air. That's the devil, Satan, the deceiver. He is the God of this world. And he has a course, a path that many people are traveling today. In fact, all of us were born on that path. In verse number three, the Bible says, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past. The word conversation uh, simply means our manner of life. It doesn't refer to, as we would commonly think in this day, of our speech or our communication with one another. It speaks of our manner of life. And as he looks at our manner of life, he says, in time past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And so we understand that we were, in our sinful state, children of wrath, separated from God, apart from God, with the curse of sin and death upon us. But notice in verse number four, a wonderful statement. But God, who is rich in mercy, in the midst of our poverty and our death, God stepped in. God stepped in and he offers to us the provision that is required to save sinners. We notice three aspects of this provision. First of all, the provision of his love. Notice again in verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. Do you know God loved us with an amazing love? The Bible says in John chapter 3 and verse 16, For God so loved the world. That word so, just two letters in our English alphabet, two letters, is the only word that even begins to have the capacity to communicate the magnitude of God's love. How can we describe it? We can only say that he so loved us. Imagine it, that he gave his only begotten son. God gave us his son because he so loved us. When we were sinners, he loved us. When we were under the curse of sin, he loved us. When we were walking according to the course of this world, he loved us and he gave his son for us that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, should not be dead, or should not 
face an eternal death in hell, but that we would have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus did not come to condemn us. We were condemned already. Jesus came to save us. Why would he do that? Because he loved us. Because he loves you. That's the message of the resurrection. That's the message of the crucifixion. Jesus loves you. I don't know everything about many of you today. In fact, I know very little about most of you. But let me just say this. God knows everything about you. And I want you to know that he loves you. And he desires to save you. The provision of his love. But then in verse 5, we see the provision of his life. Christ came to give dead men life. That we might share in his life. Verse 5. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He has given me a seat at his table. He has given me a home in heaven. He has given me a life. I was once dead, walking according to the course of this world. But in Christ, I can experience life eternal, receive the forgiveness of my sin, and the life that Adam and Eve lost in the garden is imparted to me the moment that I receive Jesus as my Savior. He makes me alive unto God. Shares his life with me. Paul wrote in Colossians 3 and verse 4, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Jesus, at the grave of Lazarus, said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? You see, the question for you and I today, if we're going to have the life that Christ died to provide and was risen to offer to us, we must believe on the name of Jesus. It is a provision of his grace. Notice in verse 7, that in the ages to come, that is, throughout all eternity, you see, our perspective is very limited. It's limited by what we see and what we experience and by what our finite human mind can comprehend. We cannot comprehend what God's plan is for us eternally. But Paul communicates it to us here in verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us. You see, grace is unmerited favor. You, you can't earn grace. God just simply bestows grace upon us. God gives to us that which we do not deserve, and he does it out of a heart of love and kindness through Christ Jesus. Notice verse 8. By grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. There is nothing that you and I can do to obtain salvation. It is only through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus that we can be saved. Not of works, he says in verse 9, lest any man should boast. And so we see 
that through the resurrection we receive the provision of Christ to save sinners. All that is needed for you to get to heaven has already been done. You just must simply believe on the name of the Lord Jesus and receive him as Savior. Maybe you're here this morning and you haven't done that. I want to encourage you, don't leave this place today. Rejecting Christ, the one who loved you, the one who gave himself for you. Receive him today and be saved. There's a second practical application to his resurrection. It is found in Romans chapter 6 and verse number 5. The Bible says in Romans 6, 5, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. When we are saved, we identify with Christ in his death, the old man crucified with Christ. The new man risen with Christ in his resurrection. That is now our position in Christ. Verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we also shall live with him. Then I want you to notice verse 11. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 12, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. You see, here's what we find. Though we have been saved, if you've been saved today, you've been delivered from the penalty of sin, you will not face an eternity in hell. But if you've been saved, you have not been delivered from the presence of sin. You still live in this body, as Paul referred to it, a body of death. The flesh, the old man, the old nature still wars against the new man. Paul said in Galatians 5, the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. There is a battle in the life of every believer. Because in this body of death, we desire to walk according to the course of this world, to fulfill the lusts of our flesh. And oftentimes, we give in, we yield to that. There are many Christians who are defeated by sin, but I want you to know that through the resurrection, you and I can have the power to overcome sin in our lives. We can learn to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lusts of our flesh. We can receive that resurrection power through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this morning, if you're here and you're a believer, but you're struggling hard with sin, I want you to know there's some good news. Christ is able to overcome. And that can be your experience in His power as you learn to walk in the Spirit. And so maybe you're here this morning and you're struggling. Let me say this to you. Confess your sin. Aren't you grateful that we have a faithful God who is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness? He will forgive you. He will cleanse you. And He will give you the power to live a life that is pleasing to Him.
Well, let me give you a third thought. We find it in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 3. 1 Peter chapter number 1 and verse number 3. Here is one other aspect or application of the resurrection of Jesus. Beginning in verse 3 of 1 Peter 1, the Bible said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have a hope. A hope that moves beyond this world. A hope that we can overcome sin. A hope that we are going to be with Christ in heaven because of his sacrifice. But while we live on this earth, we deal with the trials and afflictions of life. And that is what Peter is addressing here. Notice in verse 6, he says this, Wherein ye greatly rejoice. What are we rejoicing in? We're rejoicing in our salvation and the blessings of God. Though now, for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. He's writing to Christians who had something to rejoice about, but though they had something to rejoice about, they were under the heavy burden of the trials and afflictions of life. And maybe you find yourself under those burdens today. He says in verse 7, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found under the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Peter is writing to comfort those who were suffering. And I want you to know that in this world we shall suffer tribulation. Jesus told his disciples that they would suffer persecution. And as we live in this world, in the conflicts and the spiritual battles that rage, as we deal with discouragement and despair, and as we deal with disease, as we deal with the troubles and trials of life, we have a hope that the world does not have. It is the hope of the resurrection that one day we're going to be delivered from this sin-cursed earth and we will be with the Lord for all eternity. It is that hope that bears us up in the midst of our afflictions and our trials. This week, our dear brother Barry Roberts went to be with Jesus. For 17 years, he's battled multiple myeloma. Appointments, treatments, to deal with that multiple myeloma, complications that arose throughout the years, there have been many. Eventually, Barry would find himself in a nursing and rehab center. And most recently, he suffered a stroke. I thought when I got that call, I thought, I don't know how much you can expect one man to go through. Trial after trial for 17 years. And, but that's just a small portion of it. All of us in life have troubles, and I know Barry had his own troubles on top of his 
sickness. And you think about that. And you think about this fact, that because of the resurrection of Jesus, when he died a week ago today, he went to heaven. And as soon as he walked into the presence of the Father and the presence of the Son, as soon as he got to heaven, all those memories and all that struggle was as if it never happened. Paul addresses it this way in 2 Corinthians. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen. Now, that often happens to us, doesn't it? We look around at our lives and the circumstances and the trials. And that's all we seem to see. By the way, that's what happened to Peter when he got out of the boat. He's just looking at the storm. But he said, we, we have to look beyond that, Paul said. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. They're just fleeting. They're only sufferings that will endure for a moment. But the things which are not seen, the blessings, the joys of heaven and our fellowship with Christ, it is eternal. So maybe you're here this morning and you're suffering. You're, you're dealing with trials and hardships and heartache. Many in our church have experienced a multiple form of those in recent days. Aren't you glad we have a lively hope that one day we'll be with Jesus and that he is using this trial and these troubles that we're dealing with now, he's using them to work in us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So be encouraged today through the resurrection of Christ. As you struggle with sin, as you struggle with bad habits, if you wonder, am I ever going to be able to get beyond this? Oh, yes, there's a way through the power of Jesus Christ to overcome. And then maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior. The resurrection life is not yours. I have some good news for you. It can be yours. You say, what do I have to get? What do I have to do to get it? Just one simple thing. Believe. You say, well, don't I have to, you know, fix myself or, or, or do some things to get to heaven? Not of works, lest any man should boast. It's all by grace, the unmerited favor of God, the provision of his love, the provision of his life. So what do you have to do to receive it? Just simply acknowledge that you're a sinner. Acknowledge that you're a sinner. Acknowledge that he is the Son of God who died for you, who was buried and who rose again the third day. Confess your sin to him and ask him to be your Savior. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 13 that if you will do that and that alone, that's the only thing that can save you. If you will call upon the name of the Lord, thou shalt be saved. That's a promise from God. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you've never done that, would you do it now? Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, 
you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.